Okay, here's the gist. I'm a gay guy who's been living in New York City for the past three decades. I got shit to talk about. I also have awesome friends who also have a lot of shit to talk about. That's what this podcast is about, way off the record. People that you never hear from, that you need to hear from. Because trust me, girl, you need this fabulous in your life. Welcome to a special subsection of Way Off the Record, where we interview uh, artists and musicians and talk about their work and their process. Today, we're here with my friend and brilliant artist, Jason Nickel. Well, hi, Scott. How are you, Jason? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. So, I truly am. So glad you're here. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Jason's amazing body of work that you've been working on for, what, four years or so now? Well, I've been working on it you know, for four years, but it's germinated for maybe my entire life. Awesome. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. It's called Crescentia Chronicles. Um, before we talk about that, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how we met. Um, shout out to Jim and Paul up in Utica, New York. 315. So we're trying to, we were trying to figure out when this was. This is about a decade ago. Or so, right? Long, longer than that. Or longer C- than that. Circa 2004, 05, give or take. Damn. Yeah. So we're thinking it was one of their epic holiday parties, Christmas parties in their gorgeous, like straight up mansion that's made of brick. And it's right. yeah. like 150 years old or something. And then I think what we did after the party was went over to your house when you guys were still living in Utica and you had that beautiful big house with that wraparound porch and I remember meeting Rachel's brother, and this is in the evening, I think. We were there all day. We had the best time. And Rachel's brother, what's his name? Adam. Adam was talking about how he had to scoot as far back on the toilet as he could because he couldn't fit himself in the toilet. Do you remember this? I just thought that was the greatest thing ever. And I, I don't like, remember that part. Yeah, I can, I can relate. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but I probably had a lot of martinis previous to that well, story. Yeah, that and other things. <clears throat> That's when I first le- uh, heard Mingus through you up in the attic. Remember that? Well, Charles Mingus? Yeah. Um, when I had the attic studio. Yeah. yeah. It was either freezing cold or sweltering hot. <laughs> yes, I think. Yeah, it was, it was in the summer. I think it was. No, this is. I don't, I don't fucking else? know. It's all a blur. It doesn't matter. Everything's a blur. Anyway, so, all right. So, Jason, talk to me about Crescentia Chronicles. What, is, what does that mean? And, and how did the idea germinate? And what's, what does it mean? Uh, what does it mean? How did the <laughs> idea germinate? Well, first of all, the, uh, these are all very, those are questions that could be answered and I could spend hours actually explaining that and going mm-hmm. down rabbit holes that maybe don't need to go down. The entire thing is a river that I'm on with tributaries. It's a tree that I'm climbing with branches that branch out in all different directions. But to put it in the most plain way, I am a painter. Trained as a painter, schooled as a painter. Uh, so this work begins, basically, it begins as painting. It's a, an imaginative work that's enormous in scope. And to me, it's my Gesamtkunstwerk, my oh. total artwork. Oh, yeah. It sounds so much better in German. Gesamtkunstwerk. German is so, so sexy. <laughs> it kind of is, right. <laughs> so, uh, and this is a, is a whole, this work, for me, I want to spark the viewer's imagination, spark the audience's imagination. That's, that's the main goal, if I had to say anything. In terms of goals or whatever you want out of art, do you actually, does an artist want anything out of art? I, I don't know. Should you? Should you just make it? Again, tangents, rabbit holes. Tangents are important. Uh, material, so as, as being a painter that I am, material, it cons- uh, what it is right now is paintings, drawings, and also printed graphic novels. I still call them comic books. And for that matter, there's also web comics involved in it. At crescentiaconicles.com. Yes, sir. Plug that shit. I'm going to plug it too several times. So all all of these images, all of this work, uh, is creating a story. So I'm, I, I say I'm creating a story, but I'm I'm writing a story, but it's through paintings. It's uh it's through every uh, process. It's a, it's basically a giant comic book. 
Amazing. Uh, that I'm creating. It's the story of another fantasy world and other worlds on another planet. And it's all in this undulating style of uh, painterly and collage-like elements that make this sort of very dreamy and surreal at times story that I do. It should be this way because it needs to kiss the cheek of cringe. Wait, hold up, hold up. Kiss the cheek of cringe. Well, aren't kisses on the cheek already kind of cringy? So, oh my God, I love that. There's a th- we, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole theory of cringe. All right, all right. And that's... This, but it has, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, everything that we really love is a little bit cringy, a little bit cheesy, <laughs> I, I think. You know, the, I... The, the, as a fantasy story, it's, it's a genre. Like, yeah, uh, it's in the epic fantasy genre. And this uh, is perfect. Put that on the floor. Thanks. This is perfect for a painter because uh, yeah, I, I can ex- employ art school physics to a world. You know, it's I'm creating an entire world. All right, I want to know about art school physics. I, I fucking love that term. What does that mean? Well, I learned physics in art school, meaning I didn't. <laughs> so I. So uh, oh, high school physics. I thought you said art school. Art school. Art school physics. Art school physics. Yes. Art, art major biology. Art major physics. <laughs> art major chemistry so i can apply the rule of cool to anything in okay. uh, in telling an epic fantasy story uh one of the things that you said to me when i was at the studio last week when we first started like you these canvases are giant by the way they're like 10 feet by six feet or whatever Some all different, are, all different yeah. sizes and and i said to you how the fuck did you come up with this whole narrative? Because that's the thing that really strikes me about the work is it's not just a series of paintings. There's this language that you created. There's this whole storyline throughout. And you said to me, I hope I can remember this right. When I said, how did you come up with this whole narrative? And you said, I spaced the fuck out and daydreamed a lot. Yeah, and that's basically how it all <laughs> happened. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah, that's 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 who I am. I uh, daydream, been daydreaming since I was, you know, since I had consciousness at the mm-hmm. at the, the toddler age, whenever people can actually daydream. Uh, so as a result, I was never a good student. Oh, interesting. Never a good yeah. student. Yeah. Until I got to art school, and then all of a sudden, I was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so you know that that's that's really you know. If you want to, where the story comes from, it you know it goes back to there's stories I read when I was a child that just stayed in there forever. There's uh, there's you know, like I, the Dune series, sci-fi. You said sci-fi, fantasy, comic books, obviously. Oh, everything. I, everything. All right, let's just let me just come clean here. I'm an actual <laughs> factual nerd. Dungeons and Dragons all the way, and I think it's funny. My kids are teenagers and even older now, they came back from the store with a Dungeons and Dragons t-shirt recently. And I was like, you, what? A Dungeons and Dragons t-shirt? You don't wear that. That was <laughs> something that I kept hidden, especially from, oh. you, you don't you don't let people know in the world that you play Dungeons and Dragons. Have you see, seen Stranger Things? Of course. Oh they, my they, God. Told me, they were like, dad, dad, it's because of Stranger Things. <laughs> it made it popular. Uh, but that's where I come. You know, I read comic books. I read comic books when they were in the newsstands and I read every genre of comic books and then there was comic book stores. When I first mm-hmm. learned that they were comic book stores, it was, you know, you could hear Beethoven's Ninth playing in the background. Walls of comic books of every genre. So I went through my superhero phase and this fantasy phase and the sci-fi and comic books were always on the forefront of any kind of like storytelling. Mm-hmm. They could push any envelope uh, they could do things that other media just couldn't do. Let me ask you, what, what when you're actually working, because when we were there at your studio last week and you were just showing me this stuff, you had this beautiful like Arabic music playing. What kinds of music do you play when you work? Oh, all of it. Whatever is in my mood. I, th- that particular playlist was like my, I called it Mystic Air. <laughs> and it's a lot of like global fusion beats. It was a, Stuff that I was into like many years ago. I get into music in different genres often. And it was kind of like, it was just a playlist that fits the studio. It fits the vibe of that work. Yeah. So it yeah. Fit, it's, yeah, there's, uh, 
But yeah, you know, when I'm in the studio, I listen to everything. I, I, I'll sometimes do that, obsess on an album and just play it over and over again for the entire duration of like an eight-hour painting. Fest. Like what? Like what? Give me your like top three. Oh, I did the top three. <laughs> uh, I don't have a top three. It changes, but a couple. You know, believe it or not, back in 2014, I was working on a bunch of paintings, and I was doing the Weezer Blue album. Oh, for like the entire. Cause just because it's a great album, it's an album that is in a succinct. It's a Gesamtkunstwerk. It's an entire mm-hmm. world within one album, and if it plays over and over again, you can listen to it all over and over again, and you're in that world. Mm. That, that's just one example. It, there's there's many there's many that do that, and that would be another. That's a podcast. That's a whole other podcast right it's there. Like, what what are the best albums that create a world that that make a story? Oh man, that you can listen to over and over again, like. Like that. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Okay, we're back. So, Jason, I want you to talk to me about something that we talked about at the studio last week. You, you call it in-universe painting. What does that mean? Right. Well, there was a few paintings that you saw there. There's uh, a painting of uh, a sky dragon and a painting of a suit of armor made from the sky dragon's mm. scales and hide. Mm-hmm. And they were both done on plastered surfaces with you know, the very uh, fresco-y decorative paintings with a lot of gold leaf and material. By in-universe, that means... They are painted by one of the characters in the story. Mm. So in the story, they're actually giant walls upon a palace, and uh, as an in, and also you know we I noted in the prologue that you saw the uh, in universe song. Yes. So whenever I can, there's a way to work in this is this in universe piece of art, especially this, with the, the song of seven isles. The song of seven isles. Yeah. By Orestri, priestess of Venus and singer of songs. And the Song of Seven Isles tells the origin of Crescent. Crescent is our champion. It tells the origin of Crescent in this world. That's only verse one that you're looking at. I still got to finish <laughs> verses uh, two through seven. My, so my champion was spit from a sky dragon's mouth. The scales he has worn. There's a lot more, but that's all I'm going to read. That's the first line. <laughs> and that's also a reference to the paintings. So this is after Crescent becomes the champion of Haudica. And uh, there's a dragon involved, and the painter is painting these in the new palace, where the old palace that's now being renovated, and uh, you know the new home for our champion. Mm. So the painter is the character Carol Vago, who is obviously not a veiled at all uh, Caravaggio, one right. of my favorite painters. Right, me too. And me he's too. very. The character is actually very similar to the real Caravaggio. He's a a gangster and a pimp, and mm-hmm. he uses a rapier as his uh, weapon of choice. But also, like the 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 um, the color and the light source that that painting has was is very Caravaggio. You know, like the single source light and very dark around the edges and stuff. There's a few that I like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, there's so many things that you can do when you're a painter that it's un, it's unbelievable. There's so many things you can do. Well, I I'll paint with contrast today. You know, there's a you know, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, look at look at that. There's so many things to do. The uh, in universe paintings also are a, a way to uh, it, it, it's part of the story and it also tells the story. So it's with it's a painting within a painting. Oh man. So it and it all you know picture. In the Dark Crystal recent one on Netflix, there was a puppet show within the puppet show. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, and this, like, now there's a painting within the painting. And it's also for the creator, for me, oh, I can use this for multiple panels. This is pages of a comic book from one painting. So there's right. sort of this, this sense of, like, I can make the painting, and it can be part of the story, and it can be in the story. So it's using everything that I have in order to, like, push the narrative along so i want to i want to ask you about you know i'm going to post a bunch of pictures uh for our listeners about what what it is we're talking about it's it's you know difficult uh to to talk about this work in an audio format without seeing 
you know, some sort of pictorial reference. Right. I mean, there, it, this is all, I'm a, like, like I said in the beginning, I'm a painter. So everything we're talking about is something that you're supposed to look at. So, <laughs> exactly. So I this have is to, our challenge. This if is, uh, if you're a, and, and that's really how the story is told. I mean, there is obviously text, there's prose, there's dialogue, there's characters speaking to each other. There's. But I wanted to ask you about specifically the pages that you had lined up in that long, like 15, 20 foot, piece of wood it was like the pages for the next series that was one chapter that i'm working on one yeah. chapter and and so 33 33 little paintings 33 little paintings that are the exact same size as the comic book so and what, you scan explain to me how you do that well, I this forget. particular piece is i i did self-publish some some books i have a prologue and then two chapters that are about 50 pages each the prologue see what i'm working on now is that the prologue is now, a, 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 a version that you see of something that happens, and then when you get to chapter five, it's the complete version of that. So I mm. printed this prologue. It's black and white. Now I pasted all of that from one of my copies, and I'm painting over the entire thing. Oil paints, little on panel with... Uh, they have to have this, and then they go in a row upon a wall, for example. Right. And you see the entire thing as a freeze, as a, as a, as a, a wall, and it's also part of the book. So you you so what what I'm curious about is your work in the comic book. I think you you said you also scan some of your work that then translates to or do you or, or is the comic book a separate work in itself? Like in other words, you you draw each panel, or does it come from the paintings? It you comes I mean? from both. Okay, it's basically everything that I can do. Okay. So sometimes it's a drawing that I scan and then digitally manipulate. Sometimes it's just a painting that is straight into the book. Sometimes I digitally manipulate the painting. Uh, whatever is whatever the the story calls for, whatever I have the ability to produce. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think, oh, I'm gonna take a shortcut, and if I draw this way and then that way, and I can put this in at the end, it turns out that's not a shortcut at all. That was the most <laughs> complicated way you could have done it, right, Jason. Right. And well, what happens then? Like, okay, so I'm doing it the most complicated way, but it ends up becoming interesting. There's a lot of like, I have to fix mistakes that I didn't anticipate. Oh, and now we're going to talk about the carpentry. Oh, oh, all right. Because you, have, you have, I have a background as a carpenter. That's how I've made a living for many years. And Scott wanted to ask, well, ask me, please. Well, so I'm so I'm fascinated because of all the things that you just mentioned. That like I, I you know, I take my giant toolbox in my wheelhouse and i hate those fucking words but it is in your case you're like this complete artist like and everything that you've learned throughout your life you employ in this series of work and one of the things that i'm curious to ask you about is given that you've done and still do carpentry work which is beautiful by the way on jasonnickel.net yes some of it is on Jason Nickel. Well, okay. Jason Nickel done that is the catch-all website to find. Okay, me. okay, All good. my artwork from before the Crestcon, from some carpentry work, so some really old artist statements. <laughs> no, it's great. So what, I, what I'm curious to know is <clears throat> how does, you know, one other facet of what you do, how does, uh, specifically, how does your carpentry work inform your painting? Or is it vice versa or... Uh, yes, the carpentry, see what, the, the interesting thing is that I, I really learned how to be a carpenter in order to be a painter. That's when it all started. Mm. I needed to learn how to build my own stretchers, my own panels. And I did go to art school. So in art school back in the early, not, you know, back when I went, this was, this was a while ago. <laughs> I went to a school that was very hands-on. So I did learn all of this basic stuff in school. I what was school? I was taught at Columbus College of Art and Design, Columbus, oh, nice. Ohio. So nice, very, 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 you know, a lot of work. We did. We just worked constantly in school. Yeah. Uh, so I did learn the basics, and then I I started to make my own stretches, and I needed to make shaped canvases or this or that, and I became interested in carpentry that way. But then, oh, it looks like I can make a living doing this. Right. Joe, Joey, the, the carpenter next door will hire me to be his helper when I was the little, yeah, the little guy. So I started off as the kid 
who mm-hmm. is as green as a you know banana still on the tree, mm-hmm. watching people do things and learning how to make things. So, uh, and you make beautiful furniture for like people's homes, like complicated shit, like not just not that a not that a, a canvas stretcher is not difficult, but you make things with drawers and sideboards and all this kind of beautiful stuff, and it's amazing. Yes, I've done it. Yes, it is amazing. I suppose <laughs> the uh, the other. Uh, but what 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 about the questions? What did that do for me as an artist? Yeah. yeah. So obviously, there's craft, craft, craft. Mm-hmm. So as I said earlier, I'm trying to sometimes take shortcuts in creating a graphic novel because I have never made a graphic novel before. I have to print these on my own to see what they look like. Mm-hmm. It's the same. I can see the same pattern of overlay between. Well, this plywood is not going to be as good as that plywood. It's going to affect the uh, the end product. If you don't sand it now, mm-hmm. you're going to end up having to do more work when you put it together. Right. And uh, the very, very simple things like that. Of just and how to make an object. Can I just so, say that, like, you also, I just, oh, sorry to interrupt. You paint on sheetrock, you paint on metal plates, you paint on board. You paint on canvas, you paint on linen. Like all that stuff is fascinating to me. Like anything, like anything you can get your hands on, you paint. Well, basically that's, yes, anything I can get my hands on, I paint. (laughs) If it's a big enough surface, I'll paint on it. Yeah. Somebody gave me a ping pong table once. I painted on on it. It's really too heavy though. It's like, why did I paint on so heavy? I don't want to move this. Uh, But yes, that's kind of how it comes down to is anything... But painting is just about these surfaces, really. You know, and, yeah. And a lot of that is uh, serendipitous. Yeah. You know, linen does one thing. It's got a texture. Canvas does another. The, the hard, slick surface, you can smear paint around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can glaze on top of this. You can put a different color on top of a hard surface that you can't necessarily do on a soft surface like the canvas. Right. right. Uh, so, yeah, the surfaces of paint are, you know. And then drawing, too. Pencils, papers. These, this is, you know, what's interesting when I'm now beginning this printed work mm-hmm. is that that I realize that you know a painting can be uh, in this state. It has to be actually in this state of flux for mm-hmm. for the viewer to to become a transpite and to walk into it. It has to be at this point where it's not quite complete, but it is complete enough mm-hmm. that you still mm-hmm. the printed material does not work like that. Or to make it work like that, something different has to happen. Like you look at a drawing on a, a pencil on paper and that that phenomenal visceral thing is so much better than if I just printed that drawing in black right, and white line. Right, it, it, right, yeah. right. This is what I learned from producing these books. So Interesting. being the, the, the very hypercritical of myself type of person, I'm, I'm still going back and reworking a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. reworking some of my older graphics to improve this uh this new media that i'm seeing yeah i think that's amazing that you're you're, you're able to to differentiate between like what what's on a painting should be different than what's on the comic book mm. well and, and the carpentry that that workmanlike attitude mm-hmm. has sort of you know it's like well how do you make a, four giant paintings you don't just like make four giant paintings by squirting a bunch of, you know, you can actually, you know, you can, I suppose you can, but yeah, I wanted to make, you know, you, you, you approach, I approach my work now as in, well, that has to happen first. There's, there's, there's mm. obvious steps that mm-hmm. the very simplicity of carpentry has uh, taught me. And that, that spatial acuity, you know, right. of, uh, I can judge a distance. Right. I know how, you know, from my arm to that, you know. And you mentioned earlier the physics of it because you can see the physics in your work. And not not in a clinical sort of scientific way, but you can see, you know, perspective and and density and mass and all of these things that when you look at your work, I personally it just I could look at it forever. Wow. And see, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not trying to be. I, I hope. That's awesome. Seriously, you can see. Because I'm playing the long game, Scott. Yeah, man. <laughs> we talked about that. We um, we need to get these books um, monetized. We need to. I'm here for that for you. We'll talk about that later. 
off off air. So way, way, way <laughs> off the record, gentlemen, <laughs> but gentlemen I, and ladies. But, come on now. All right. So um, martial arts. Talk briefly about that, and then we'll go on to other things. It, how it, the the craft and the martial arts. Oh yeah. Right well, in the notes. Uh, how I've studied. If you add up, I've studied a few different martial arts and different practices. If you add it all up, it's about ten years. 10, 10 plus years worth of study, mm-hmm. but it may be like three years in one style, three years in another. I, I, I did the same thing over my course as a painter before beginning the Crestcon. I would try this, I would try that. I there's so many things to, you know, we don't eat the same thing every day, right? You know, there's like, I know, uh, but the one that, the particular uh, martial art that I became, that was really what I would have to say. I can't say it's my favorite. That's not the right word, but I'm very attuned to it. It's kendo. Mm-hmm. It's Japanese sword fighting. It's Japanese fencing. You've brought, you've seen it where they have bamboo swords and there's uh, armor. You know, physical. You know, of course you're going to you say know. that something like that, like Japanese sword fighting, not not you know like corner store karate. I fucking love that about it. Well, you. in in the Crest Cron in Crescentia, Crescentia Chronicles, it has many names. This the whole first book that you have these. Uh, the printed material already is basically just kendo. They're sword fighting. And one of the things you would notice is even the drawings of their hand movements, their hands, yep, they're, yep, holding, yep. they're spot on, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, Aside they from are. Every once in a while, I cheat and I'm like, you know, there's no way that the swords are like, that would break. But it fits the page and all right, rule of cool. That works. No, you're right. I mean, I don't know anything about Japanese sword fighting, but I know what a sword looks like. And you have these beautiful, um, in like, in motion combat scenes, even if it's just a, a single figure, and you have the hand wrapped around this beautiful, like, ornate orbital. It's like all these little orbital, you know, metal pieces on the handle of the sword. It's gorgeous. Yes, does that yeah, make sense? Well, I hope that made my sense. kendo <laughs> sensei said, "If it's not beautiful, it's not kendo." Have you considered like Comic Con and and submitting your stuff to Comic Con? Because that could open oh, up I, a of course, whole yeah, fucking. I, have. I, I did a ta- there was a I did a table at one of the smaller conventions. Okay, just, uh, last March, March of twenty nineteen. There's there are so many small conventions there. There are so many people making their own comics. This is not, I'm, I am not, I'm, there's 8 million stories in the Naked City. I'm number <laughs> 7,947. Yeah, but, but how many of them are doing their own paintings and they have their own like universe and narrative and language and stuff and they're doing their own paintings, I have to stress. Of that, these. That's the part that really puts mine to the category yes, of original. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. There's not a lot of like, full blood painters with like the total abstract like mind towards, you know. That, mm, that amazing. But, but there are so. So I, I did do a table at this comic convention, and I sold some of these. Oh, uh, good. That you have, yeah. Uh, I'm not crazy about the pitch. This is where the uh, at the beginning of this podcast i should have had some kind of pitch well hey ladies and ladies and gentlemen crest chronicles do you like this crest chronicles, chronicles this that that you're not i'm not pt barnum me, dude you're no. an artist like that's for someone else to do like get a get some actor to do that for you some hot you know ripped guy or whatever to do that part of it for you seriously i mean you could do it yourself because you're hot and ripped but that's not your thing and so that shouldn't you should well, farm Scott, that shit is out. it warm in here I wish I could do it, but girl, no one wants to see me in a in a tight fitting one onesie. Um, mythology. Tell me about how mythology informs your work. Uh, well, basically, I'm just fascinated by it. Uh, I did. My father used to actually read me Greek myths when I was a little kid. Huh? He was really into it. He was uh, also into it, the Greek stuff. He was very into the mm-hmm. classics. Uh, so, mytho- yeah, so obviously that mythology is uh, it's it's where we it's what we it's where we come from you know it's mm-hmm. all it's all like the oldest stories that we have. I'm fascinated pre pre Christian, right? 
pre-Christian. Like, it's and all... Christian is mythology. Everything's mythology. Marvel Comics is mythology. I mean, it, it's all mythology. It's yeah. all stories to describe some kind of event. Right, right. Which, whatever that event, however minor it is. And how, needs to make how, sense There's of mythology world. for how to milk a cow. <laughs> yeah, but we just don't need that anymore. But we, it's also, we need mythologies for other things. But it's also things, it's stories, just like in the Bible and whatever else after that came after. It's stories to help us understand the un, the the unfathomable mysteries of life. It's all about that, don't you think? Yes, yes, all and, about well, or the th- yes, yes, the things that we don't understand, or the things that we that we now maybe kind of do understand. I, I need to ask you about this word that we talked about that I, I'm going to try to pronounce. <laughs> I know what this is. <laughs> Mythopoesis. Mythopoesis. I don't yeah, even know yeah, if I, I said it right. I, it's that actually, sounds way better. This, than is a, this is a word <laughs> that was invented, I believe, by Tolkien himself. Oh. He was a linguist who did invent the language for right. the world of Lord of the Rings and then populated the, the language with characters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But the mythopoesis is the creation of a mythology. It's the creation of a world and its mythology by basically one mind, one poet. So it's not the collection of, you know, the, the myths that we have from our past are the collection of many, uh, you know, oral traditions mm. and mm-hmm. oral traditions and mm-hmm. written traditions and then confusions and then they combine and they make uh, a thing. This is this sort of the the ex nihilo invention of a mythology. Although it's not ex nihilo, it can't be out of nothing. It's out of constant of the constant flux of things that we You're too fucking smart for me, dude. I'm not <laughs> like I'm getting it, but I'm glad that you're explaining all this because <laughs> it's so dense what you do. Like your work is so layered and so intellectual almost, but without well, being like stuffy and academic and unapproachable it's very approachable and i think that's your that's your great gift is being able to take all of those complex things and weave it into your work and whether you understand greek mythology or not or whatever you look at your work i look at your work and i can see physics i can see god i can see spiritual tenets and all of this stuff and it like it's i'm not trying to bullshit you here it's hard for me to even Quantify. And <laughs> I'm, I'm quite moved. Did I just embarrass you? Oh, no. no that, thank you. Thank you. I mean, well, well, I, good. I'm glad. That's what I want, to be honest with you. I mean, your wife says something the other day that really spoke to me, Rachel. She says, when you answer the call, the receiver picks up. Yes. And I kind of feel like that when I look at your work. Well, you good. know, good. You know? Thank you. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Are we rolling? Yeah, we are now. We are now. Sorry, I got to pee. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy the Brondel Swash SE600 with heated seat and blue LED light. Girl, I'm trying to get sponsors. Um, and, and try it out and let me know what you think. For real, try the water. <laughs> we'll be right back. I have no response. <laughs> Don't do that. Cut that. Cut before that. All right. So back to the uh, mythology idea. You had something else to say about that, Jason? Well, I think one of the that interests me, one of the points of mythology that interests me more than others is perhaps that there's percent, there's patterns that are persistent across cultures, completely mm-hmm. isolated from each other. So there's these two thoughts that go into that. That's either that everything originated from a singular source, mm-hmm. implying that humanity was all at one point at one time before they spread right. or we spread. Or there's the other one that it's uh, just the same thing, you know, the same story is the inherent story. in our psyches. Right. That uh, helps us work the world in this way. 
Joseph and, Campbell and, and the power of myth. He talks Joseph all Campbell, about that. Yeah, I was big into Joseph Campbell. So there's these two schools of thoughts on it, and they actually do get an argument. So I'm not going to try to defend, you know, I'm not about to say one or the other that PhDs have been talking about and arguing for a while. Mm-hmm. But I do find that the most fascinating part in this overlay of patterns in that, like Jung says, people don't have ideas, ideas have people. Mm. So earlier you said, well, has anybody been making a comic book that's also paintings or that paintings are the comic book? I don't know. There probably are. You know, I can't <laughs> say that I'm the only one doing this because why would there not be other people with the, the same, you know, spirit of inspiration, the same muse, mm-hmm. right? It's just an idea that I'm wrapped up in. It's just a river that I'm on. If there are people doing it, there can't be that many if there are. And I'm just going to go on the record right here and say you have something really special. But I thought we were way off the record. Way off the record. (laughs) This particular one's on. Okay, good. I do that all the the time and I sabotage my own fucking name on my podcast. (laughs) Oh, well. Um, But yes, this, uh, yeah, mythology. It's where it's at. Definitely. But it's it's where the stories that we... Now, we love stories. Let's, let's face it. Look at... We just love them as humans, as mm-hmm. people. We love them. We just... The TV industry is just bursting. Like, well, we can't get enough new shows. There's a new show. I need a new show. Right. Let's watch the whole show in one day. Uh, right. The, the movie industry. I When I was a kid... This is just before VCRs. Yes, there was a time. There was a time before VCRs when I had to go to the movie theater to see Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. Over and over again. I was like, I had to see that movie over and again. And uh, still had to go to the movies. But now there's just such a choice. There's like almost too much. You know? I think so. I think so. Um. So let's talk about some inspirations uh, that inform your work and how that manifests into the work. Yes, inspirations, inspirations, influence, and uh, all of that. That again is something that can go on forever because there's inspiration, there's influence, there's the painters that I've been looking at and you know and following. Like, it, we, trained as I am, painting is really the oldest art form that we have record of. Mm-hmm. We don't have mm-hmm. record of music. We don't have, we have some sculpture and we have painting mm-hmm. before, before language. So it's right. like, so, so pictograms and cave drawings and all that. It goes back as far as homo sapiens were you now leaving a record behind. Yeah. So it's, it's in this tradition that I, I have this like family of artists that I, uh, so, well, this person is kind of, that's my great-great-grandfather. Like, there's the William Blake, who's like, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing if William Blake hadn't done it. Mm. There's Caravaggio, who, in my opinion, is the first modern artist in the sense that we now have the, the yeah. that our society pictures artists. Although this is changing. The, the societal image of artists is changing with the... I'm not, I'm not going down that hole. So the, 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 the changing of culture, the, the, the you know, turning of the age that we now exist in. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these things are completely in flux. These ideas. Uh, Michelangelo. Directly the inspirations for the world of Crescentia Chronicles. If, you, if I had to tell you about Barantium, the country where it, it begins. It begins on, in Barantium and then it expands to the earth. Barantium. The, 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 which is, the planet is Earth. Barantium is the story. Obviously, it's Byzantium. Oh, um, yeah, And the language dude. is Borantine. The language that we briefly <laughs> talked about is Borantine. Yeah. It's, uh, if you mix classical ancient Greece with feudal Japan, that's something like that with some spaghetti Western elements in there. Oh, my God, And these are, these are things that in our in our consciousness, in our like societal pop culture consciousness, they're all kind of the same already. Yeah. <laughs> that we had cowboy movies based on samurai movies, samurai movies based on cowboy movies. The Greeks did things in a way that was very similar to the feudal Japanese. And Right. Uh, I mentioned Kendo earlier. I'm, I'm into this. Uh, I was a long time influenced by just Japanese culture in, in general. 
And this uh, complete kendo is one form of a very ritualized uh, sword fighting. Mm-hmm. So it's an archaic form that has then become... Uh, it's a sport, it's a practice, it's an art. It's uh, stylized and it still has meaning. That's what painting is. Mm-hmm. Painting is an archaic form. It's just become so stylized and so ritualized that we understand it almost too well. There's the, the formalism of painting is just ri- just rich with content in and of itself right without even a subject so there's that that's an influence (laughs) i love that you blend you know ancient greek uh feudal japan and shit what was the third one (laughs) spaghetti westerns and spaghetti westerns there's a lot of spaghetti western in the style, the style of the Crescentia. A lot of clothes, you know, I just... Oh. And you can see this in the work. That's what I think is so fascinating. It's like, it's not, it's not just that you hear artists talk about their bullshit theories and like, I came up on this and blah, blah, blah. But you look at your work and you can actually see all three of those things, like straight up at the forefront. Well, a good artist doesn't borrow. A good artist steals. Exactly. Exactly. And I steal from everywhere that I can find a thing to be stolen from. <laughs> everywhere that I can. If that works, then I'm taking it. Who said that? Somebody famous said that. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody. I'm Fascinating. You know, I said it, but I didn't invent it. All right. So this was a fascinating conversation. And I, I, I pretty well, much. Still is. I didn't know it is. But I, <laughs> but I pretty much made the determination before we started recording and when we were working out the topics and stuff that this is going to have to be part one of two or three or four, however many there, there's just a lot of dense information and I don't want to overwhelm the listener um, because it's so fascinating. And I want to give each nugget its own time, you know, to sort of breathe and understand and, and um, make sense. So to wrap it up, Jason, you talked about where you are in the process of this uh, gestation of this work. And talk to me about that. Yes. The, the gestation is actually over. Oh. I think it's gestated many, many years. If I, if, you know, bear with me for a moment as I go back to uh, the, the origin of. Crescentia Chronicles is uh, I did begin this as a web comic back in 2004 2005 so back to the original meeting of us Paul and Jim mm-hmm. Jim Gifford is one of my first fans of oh. the of the original web comic and I have I now have dozens of fans Scott <laughs> dozens well good because I have, I have tens of listeners so I hope they all come together and listen to this shit but where I am now as as we as we have on the, the table in front of us here is the three of the books that I've self published, and they are in limited editions. Mm. The uh, so this, I have my signed copies. Yes, yes, and uh, <laughs> yes. so the the uh, first part of the Crescent. Well, shit. It used to be the Crescent Chronicles. Long story. Now it's Crescentia Chronicles. It will probably Copyright become issues. it'll become known to the world as Crescentia. By the way, Crescentia is not only the a derivation of the main character's name, Crescent, but he names his daughter Crescentia, and the city that he takes over, Crescentia. His daughter Crescentia becomes known as Tia. Mm. This is way tangenty. Because that doesn't even come into a book four, five, and six. She's not even born yet. He hasn't even, in this book that I'm holding in my hand, he hasn't even met the woman that he impregnates that creates this daughter. <laughs> That's, uh, this is the long game, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so the, the all right, for, the, for this podcast, though, we have to do a little Reader's Digest version of where <laughs> you are. There needs to be footnotes. <laughs> so, uh, yes, this is... Uh, the, what I realized about my work, I realized this a long time ago, is that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Mm. So once I have... By the end of this year, I have the work done for the first book. There's there's nine books total in the whole Crestcron cycle. Mm-hmm. Just like there's nine moons on Earth. 
in Barantium, there's nine moons, and right, the magic right, works differently right. the way the moons are different. Three of the moons are red, the others are right. It has to do with the meteorite that hit the planet a long time ago. Not getting into that yet. <laughs> all the moons have names. The moons are the concubines of Oris, the god of the sky, who then gave birth to all the gods. This is why we need part two, dude. This is why. This is why. <laughs> so I finished, I'll finish the first book, which will be, as a, as a graphic novel, it probably is going to be around 350 pages. Mm. And uh, then... I'll get that published. And I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to design it for you. Yes. Because the point for collaboration. I need help, Internet. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> yeah, bitch. The, uh, so that gets complete. And then there's, that's basically the, uh, the starter. I mean, I have paintings. I have you know, hundreds and hundreds of paintings. But painting is like theater. Like you, if you do, if you weren't there, you didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Like to see the paintings, you have to be there. You have, you to, have to. You yeah. have to see the show. You have to be in New York. The rest of the world can see the uh, the books as I produce them. Mm-hmm. And then when you see the paintings, it's like meeting the actual actor. So exactly, I have, I have portraits. I have to do a, every character: Crescent Acquarel, Vina Chrysos, Zerata Athos. Westry, Boyo Kimris, Carol Vago, Cero Sarian, all these different characters I do portraits of. I have to do a little portrait, mm-hmm. then I know the character. Right. Uh, so when you, the viewer, will read the books, see whatever, you know, experience the story, then you see the portrait, it's like meeting that character. Mm-hmm. It's the actual painting, it's the flesh and blood of that event, that character. It's true from my experiences of viewer like seeing the comic books is one level of genius and then see, but but seeing the let's, paintings let's use the word genius a little less uh, well i'm sorry i'm i'm allowed <laughs> to call you a genius how about that and then but when you see the paintings when you see the actual work and you see the scope of it and the size of all of them and the brushwork and the painterly quality of the work it just it it blows the mind. I'm, I'm seriously, it, you, as you say, it's a whole different experience. You know, when you're looking at a uh, illustration of the the actual painting in comic book form, which is amazing, but then you actually see the work, the actual painting, amazing. Yeah, it's like seeing theater. It's like there, yeah, you know, it's there, it's yeah. there. So. Yeah, this is the but yeah, this world we live in now. You know, the, the the saturation, you know, the world, the, the amount that we can reach uh, of of everybody. And there's a changing art world as well. Mm-hmm. There's a changing art world. There's there's more museum goers and there's more gallery goers, which is fascinating to me. Uh, and painting still exists. Like I, you know, it's an archaic form, but it still exists. And I'm going out on one limb here by saying that the art world probably the commercial galleries. I don't see how they could keep their lights on if they weren't selling paintings. Right, right. And I, and I work in the art world, ladies and gentlemen. Right. You do, uh, you do. But There's I'm not no going to. Don't. That's way off the record because you know, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not talking about the art world here. Someone's going to come at me say, you know, well, recently, Jason, you know, but. Uh, that's where it is. My I've, goal with the Crescent Chronicles is to really trans—I don't want to say transform media, but to link media. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's yeah. A, I see no hierarchy between any art form. Period. Just because one costs more than the other, just because one has is traditionally talked about in by professors more than another, just because one is this. There's no difference. There's no uh, difference. There's good and bad. That's there's, right. There's really bad TV shows, or there's okay TV shows that are better than some art that you will see in commercial galleries. It's just quality. I mean, there's uh, quality in everything. A hundred years ago, people thought that photography was just like the worst, like wasn't even considered art. It was considered just the basest form the of AI representation. Of Huh? The AI of painting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. <laughs> Sorry. I think it's. No, I, I think it's I, a I really gonna, good I'm going to add a little footnote to everything that I said. That okay. I'm a painting snob. And all the, if anybody's <laughs> out there that's listening is a painter, they're going to be like, yay, they're going to high five me. But it's fact. <laughs> so no matter what happens with Crestcron, as I nicknamed it, <laughs> no matter what happens with Crestcron, it's whatever media it goes into, 
the origin is painting. Yes. The origin is painting. Yes. And I'm always painting the story. I paint the story, and then I'm like, I come up with a scene, and that's the scene, and I make a painting, and then I'm like, oh, well, how do you connect that scene to this scene? Those are the interesting parts, the details, the weirdness, the like dumb thing that a character says that sort of doesn't make sense. The fact that like that's but that's you now that's how life is, you know. That's I recently started to write. I started writing dialogue. That's a really difficult art medium. That's part two. That's part two. We have to wrap it up. Really? Forgive me. I know. <laughs> I know. We'll have to. We're, you're coming back, and we're going to do a whole part two. Well, thank you, Scott, and thank you everybody for your 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 time for listening. So I'm thinking in the future, somebody's going to come up with abilities that when you're listening to a podcast, that if I mention image. JPEG seven one two. Yes, immediately yes. text it to your phone. Totally. Even or, if, or, or it's like a thing. It's like like an implant. Oh, in your, you got brain implants. No, I'm not an implant. I'm all about implants. Oh, listen, listen. I've said this for my whole life. I am all about getting transhuman. Well, basically, <laughs> you know, like shutters and apertures in our eyeballs, so that imagine, you know, the numbers of times that I'm on the train in New York City or just walking around New York City and I see something that I either don't have my phone or I feel uncomfortable taking out my phone or my, my DSLR or whatever, taking pictures of people that usually it's a time issue, but also it's like a, I don't want people to be like flipped out that I'm taking a picture of something beautiful that I'm looking at. If I could just like, if there was like a thing where they blink and the picture is like downloaded into my cranium and then, then I plug a USB into something and it, and it comes yeah. via Wi-Fi or whatever, or Bluetooth. Yeah. I'm all for that. Well, you know how a human being does that? Staring. <laughs> I know, but I want to be able to, like, capture it. Anyway. I stare and I daydream. Sorry, I not stare sorry. for our... Damn. We're going to... This is a fascinating conversation. I hope <clears throat> y'all listening um, get into this, because you got to see this guy's work. We're going to put, like, notes to his website and all of his work. And... uh Thanks for listening. And thank you, Scott. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you, Jason. Special thanks to Jason Nickel for this amazing talk and also for his wife, Rachel, who's been in the room uh, along with my Christian. And they were keeping very quiet and talking and having their own lovely time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Way Off the Record has been written, edited, and produced by Scott Ambrosino, also produced by Christian Hernandez, and we are available on all platforms where you get your podcasts. And drop us a line on social media. We can be reached at the at sign W-O-T-R-Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks for listening.